Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. How you doing this morning? Really? Four of y'all? Really? How are the rest of y'all doing? Would you rather be in the best cemetery in Gainesville or alive this morning? And All right. Amen. Amen. So I was up at 430 this morning having some worship time and and uh, just because I couldn't sleep. So I was, <laughs> it's not like super spiritual. It's like I was done sleeping. And uh, I was out in my sunroom having coffee and devotions, worshiping. And I thought, Lord, it's a good day. You are Jesus. You are on the throne. You are our Savior, our Redeemer, our Lord, our God, and awesome. I said, I got a great family that loves me. I got an amazing church family that I get to love and serve. What a great day. I said, the Gators won yesterday, and come on, LSU beat Alabama. Yes! I was so ready for Alabama to go down. They don't know how to lose. You can see it all over their faces. It was just such a joy to, to enjoy the... The, the loss on their faces. And uh, so I was rooting for Suzanne's home state, Louisiana. And, and uh, I felt like we played LSU better than uh, Alabama did. So, you know, whatever. I was just taking it for all I could get out of it. But uh, it was good. And I am uh, so thankful to be here today. Most of you know we're leaving this afternoon for Cuba. Uh, it'll be our third trip to minister uh, in the third province, third county across the nation of Cuba. A lot of things are changing down there. We don't know what doors are going to be shut for us, but we know God's word for us. And uh, this trip, he made a way. I think our airline tickets were about $220. Oscar just told me that uh, the word coming out now that because of all the flights have been canceled except into Havana, the flights have gone from two, about 220 to about $1,100 after November the 16th. So um, we're, I think, eight of us going for about the price of one ticket, uh, maybe one and a half tickets. So anyhow, we're thankful we have over 200 pastors registered coming from seven different cities around the province where we're going to be preaching and teaching. We're going to lay out uh, what the Lord <coughs> changed our life with, the Brantley family and then the Rock of Gainesville. And over the last 32 and a half years, the Lord's allowed me to preach this word that's uh, impacted a lot of lives. It's not my word. It's not a Brantley word. It's a God word. And uh, so this principle of the kingdom of God, finances, tithe, offering, what God's word has to say, you're going to see at the end of the service what some of your tithe and offering has done this year. And so I have 20 minutes to preach, so I'm going to jump right into it. So open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, if I can get my iPad open here. Uh, we'll get into this. And um, I want to start out by reading out of uh, the Amplified Version, one verse, and, um, and then I'm going to read out of the ESV, the rest of it. We're going to spend the whole time in Hebrews chapter 11. Glad you're here this morning. It's great to see. You. It's a beautiful day to be alive, and uh, God's doing some neat and awesome things in our lives. So uh, two weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago, I was in China, as you know, and uh, we were staying at this hotel in Chengdu. Um, and uh, it, was, it was a very nice hotel. I, I mean, I don't want y'all to think I was over there, you know, poor little missionary guy staying $35 a night hotel. We were actually in a five-star hotel that was so stinking beautiful. When I walked in, I walked in the room and it was my room. It's just my room by itself. And it was three rooms. I mean, two bathrooms, three televisions, four phones, massive, big open window overlooking the backgrounds where there's a beautiful church. I was like, 
what? There's a chapel behind this hotel, up, up on a hill, surrounded by beautiful trees and green grass. It was so gorgeous. And, and so every morning I did my prayer walk early in the morning and walk up by this chapel. It was completely locked up, chained up. I mean, they only use it for weddings. But uh, I just declared it to be a house of God, prophetically declared it over the nation of, of China, that even though they couldn't have beautiful buildings like we do, they have a beautiful church people, millions of believers across China that are serving the purpose of God passionately and on fire. And, and this morning I'll introduce in a couple minutes at the end of service, we have some of our precious Chinese folks here with us today. So what a joy to have them. But I was out there and I was supposed to come home. Matter of fact, Matthew, who likes to stay on my case about making sure I do what I, I say in, in the notes and stuff, he wrote me and said, I, well, what about this, man? You were supposed to start this series when you got home. And I said, hey, man, I'm the pastor here. I change whatever I want. But while I was uh, walking around the back of those grounds praying, Holy Spirit put that word that I preached like, uh, the week before last on the joy of hope. And, uh, but he gave me two words, the joy of hope and the joy of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So we have to put our hope in the things of God and the faith of God. And so over that whole week, just really just walking the property every single morning, I mean, literally feeling like I'm not in a city of however many millions of people are in Chengdu. I, I was way out just in these hills and it was stunning, beautiful. And, and I was walking around that chapel and, and just worshiping God and, and just being stirred in my own heart for hope for hope for things I, you know, I didn't even know I needed hope for, faith for things that I didn't yet know that I was gonna have to walk in faith over and for some of your lives and for some of the people that I love, people that are dear, ministries that we support, you know, sad stories that we hear about. Yesterday, a lady that once uh, her and her husband ministered in our house a few years ago, actually quite a few years ago, just found out died yesterday at 65 years of age. And, and uh, so, you know, we go through life, we go through struggles, man, because we're believers, doesn't, we're not immune from pain. We're not immune from struggles. We live in a real world, a wicked world, where all hell is out to, to whip us, to beat us, to accuse us, to reject us, to, to uh, hurt us in every way. But, but the God that we serve is a great, big, awesome God. And even though we go through problems, he's always with us. His faith is there among us. And, and Jesus proclaimed in one place in scripture, he said, simply have faith in God. And can I tell you today, too many people have faith in the church in America. They have faith in faith. They, they, they don't realize, but they almost become cultish because they begin to try to manipulate God with their faith. See, we got to have faith, hope, and trust so that we're declaring the word of the Lord. But in the end of every prayer that we ever pray, we should be like Jesus and declare, Father, even though we don't fully understand, we trust your will be done, not mine. Your ways are higher than my ways. Your thinking's higher than my th thinking. Your understanding's greater than I could ever even imagine. So even though my hope is in you and my trust is in you and my faith is in you, sometimes as believers, we gotta stir ourselves because we don't even know what's coming around the block. We don't know what's tomorrow. We, we, we get caught all up in, you know, everything's good, everything's great, and everything's fine in my family, my home and all. We can just let down and relax, Ben. You better not. Because about the minute you do, you're gonna get sucker punched in the gut with something that you were not prepared for. But if we put our faith in God, no matter what happens, and when we don't understand, when we're hurting, we can say, but God is with me. I'm in the fire, but he's in the fire with me. Amen? 
He's in the fire, man. There was never just three in the fire, man. The king looked down and said, I know I only threw three in the fire, but there's a fourth one that looks like the son of God. How did he even know what the son of God looked like? He had a revelation. Get those boys out of that fire. Man, there's a song written recently. I forget who sings it, but it's called, it's called what? Another in the fire. Man, that thing's been ministering to my soul this week. Sometimes you just need to be reminded. The floods are coming up. Guess what? He's walking in the floods with you. Fire's burning, but he is in the midst of it with you. And so I want to just stir you this morning for a few minutes. Let me read this uh, two verses out of the Amplified Version, Hebrews 11, 1 and 3. It says this. Now faith is the assurance, title, deed, confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen. The conviction of their reality, faith, comprehends this fact, what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. You're going to have to go home and read that like five times before you get it. That's just some, that's some deep stuff. Hebrews 11.3, by faith, that is, with an inherent trust, And an enduring confidence in the power and the wisdom and the goodness of God, we understand that the worlds, the universe, ages were framed and created, formed, put in order, and equipped for their intended purpose by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. See, we got to put our faith in God alone, not in the church not, not in our service, not in our works, not because I go to church and every other week I go back and change little poo-poo diapers among babies or because I'm on the stage leading worship or playing an instrument that, that, that that's going to be enough. No, no, no. Works are never going to be enough. It's got to be an absolute faith in God. A faith that brings you that place of hope and the hope that leads you back to faith. It's a wonderful combination, faith and hope together. Because see, hope always brings me back to that place where I say, I trust God. So I think I got this figured out, but wow, if I depend upon my own ability, I'm going to mess up here. My hope is not in George. My hope is in Christ in George. My hope is in the kingdom of God that changes me, touches me, impacts me, uh, brings revelation, brings insight, brings joy, man, brings direction, brings purpose, brings passion, all those things that come because of the promises of God's word. That is yes and amen. Matter of fact, there'll be times along the way when somebody's going to come and bring you a word and you're going to think, wow, I don't even know what that word means. So you know what you do with it? As a, as a mature believer, you put that thing on the shelf and you just let that thing stay there. And when it's the right time, God's going to come along and that thing's going to knock off the shelf, land in your hand because you're going to be walking through something. And in that moment, that word that was given to you by a brother or sister, a pastor, an elder, a prophet, is going to come alive in you, not because it was just said, but because God just said it and he had already confirmed it. And that thing stirs in you a hope. So in Hebrews chapter 11, I've been just hanging out here for uh, ever since I was in China, and uh, it, it's just been, it's been something that's been stirring in me. So I want to encourage you in this. If you have a, look here, pastor's got a real Bible, pages and everything, yellow stuff printed in. This is a brand new Bible. It's the ESV. I, you know, I kind of went from preaching out of the King James, my big old one, and, and this is the largest ESV I could find. It's not large enough. 
That's why, that's why I'm reading out of my iPad, but I, but I got this just for show. This is show and tell this morning, okay? So I got my show and tell Bible, and you can see I've got it all marked in yellow. And this is what I want you to do. If you got one of those Bibles, pull out a pen or something, and I want you to mark something as I read. If you don't, you got one of those smartphones, just get your highlighter out and start highlighting. I've been in this for about 20 years, maybe 15 years ago. We had a pastor, um, uh, Randy, and, and um, no. Um, from Dallas, the Bozart, Randy and Susan Bozart were here preaching uh, our our uh, high school graduation, and uh, and then one of them preached. I can't even remember which one, but whoever it was, they preached out of Hebrews eleven, and they and they preached a part of this where I, this message I'm coming really kind of came out of a revelation I got from when they preached, and 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 you know I've been walking with God for 35, 40 years by then, preached out of Hebrews hundreds of times, but all of a sudden when they were there that day and they they highlighted these two words, and it's all through Hebrews chapter eleven, by faith Abraham. By faith, Sarah. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob. By, by faith, uh, 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 Rahab, the harlot, the prostitute. And, and man, I, I just started, years ago, I went back and I highlighted, highlighted all this. And, and this, a couple of weeks ago in China, I just started meditating on this and it just so stirred me. So uh, follow along. If you want to highlight your Bible, highlight it. You should. It'll make you look like you actually read it every once in a while. And uh, it'll be good for you. But Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, follow along. By faith, Abel. Offered to God a more uh, uh, acceptable sacrifice than Cain. It goes through a bunch of the other stuff he did. And it says, through his faith, though he died, listen to this, he still speaks. Isn't that amazing? I mean, he, Abel, is still speaking in 2019. According to the word of God, we are still telling his story because he operated in faith. Yeah. Hebrews 11:5. by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. Man, I started reading that the last couple of weeks and I was like, come on, somebody. You know what? I, I, I'm tired of just everybody dying through sickness. I, I, I would like, maybe there can be three people that God takes and just walks with him right on into heaven, you know? And I know of a couple and I, I, I know of two men of God. One was the president of the Bible college where Suzanne and I attended, Pastor Ed attended, Suzanne's sister, Suzanne Kirk attended. And, and Gordon Lindsay was an amazing man of God, a man of faith, raised four kids 40 years on the mission field, and then came home and by faith started a Bible college in his late 70s, early 80s. They're on the stage on a Tuesday morning during worship service, praise and worship's going on. 1,200 students are in the chapel service that morning. The worship team's going. Back then is when all the pastors always had to be on the stage, you know, so they had big chairs on the stage. Aren't you glad we don't do that anymore? They're all lined up here. And Gordon was standing on the front row with his wife, Sister Lindsay. She's about this tall. He was a big old tall man. And they're just worshiping away. He's healthy, hadn't been sick. And all of a sudden during worship, hands are up and he coughs real loud. And his wife looks up at him and about a minute later into the worship, he coughs again. And then she said he just sat down in the chair and she said, "Being, I heard her tell this story personally in chapel years later as I was a student at Christ Renatius. She said, as a good wife, she, she decided to sit down and check on her husband and she sat down and as soon as she sat down, Gordon laid his head over on her, on her shoulder and went to be with Jesus. And you know what the, uh, you know what the, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, when death, the, the autopsy, when they finally wrote out the autopsy, you know what they wrote on it? Taken by God. No medical reason for death. 
Come on, somebody. You know what? I read that and I started thinking, hey, you have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you ask a myth without faith. I said, I might start asking for faith. You know, Lord, I can go to, I can go to heaven with some sickness in my body, but I'd like to just be done one day. And you just let me lay. My wife said, well, don't lay your head over on my shoulder. You know? I'd really prefer you not to do that. And, and uh, I told her other than that. Never mind. Just move on from there. But, but, uh, and, and then listen to this. That's not the only one. My pastor, Nolan Ball, his first son-in-law, Dwayne McIntosh, 25 years old, man of God, preaching machine, served under pastor for a couple years. Him and his wife, pastor's daughter, Donna, were sent out to start doing some traveling ministry. And they're in Joplin, Missouri. This is one month after I met Dwayne McIntosh, the only time I met him. They're in Joplin, Missouri on a Sunday morning. Donna told Suzanne and I, Dwayne was preaching like he had never preached before. Fire of God was in him. He was just preaching. And all of a sudden, she said she looked up and her husband looked at her and fell to the ground. She said the minute he fell to the ground, she knew he was no longer there. He, she ran up to him. No heartbeat, no heart rate, nothing. They did three autopsies. <laughs> Sorry, Steph, I'm looking at you and your mind went blank too. Three autopsies. And... And then they finally shipped his body back to Panama City from Joplin, Missouri, where the coroner did the fourth biopsy, fourth autopsy, B's and A's are messing me up this morning, did the fourth autopsy, said, taken by God, no medical reason for death, 25 years old. And I just said, you know what? By faith, you know? I, I just started proclaiming, you know, if I, if I can get a say-so in how I'm going to go be with Jesus, man, I'm going to say so. I'm going to ask. It might not happen, but hey, it might. Exactly, right? You have not because you ask not. You ask because you ask amiss without faith. And so, man, man in this scripture, there's a solid thing. You know, we as believers should not fear death. We should live our lives as believers in such a way that when it's in, when it's our time, there's no regret, and we can say it is finished. I have run the race. I've kept the faith. I'm ready to be with my father. Because hear me, death is just a door. You just, you just leave this body and your presence goes into the presence of God. And there is something prepared for us that's being waited even from the saints of God. I'll read you that in just a minute. So y'all got to stop messing with me. I got to finish. So by faith, Enoch walked away. 11.7, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. You know the story. He built a boat in the desert for over 100 years. They had never seen rain before in the history of the world. It wasn't like Florida, sunshine, one minute, and torrential downfall. We think we're going to get all washed out into the ocean. They had never seen rain. He's out there building a ship because God told him it's going to rain. He's crazy. I mean, they got the white-coated guys lined up around out there to take him to the hospital. And you know what? He just kept building a boat. And he's saved, and we're alive today because of his obedience, by faith. Hebrews 11, 8, and 9, by faith, Abraham obeyed. By faith, he went up. Man, there's so much stuff, you're going to have to go read it. 11, 11, by faith, Sarah received power to conceive. Hear me. It's an old lady. Says she had faith to believe. She, she looked over at her husband one time and shook her. like, oh, my God, there's, God's telling me I'm going to have a child, but it can't be by him. I mean, that man's old, swiveled up. He's, a, he's, he's, bad, he's bad shape. And yet it says that by faith she believed and had the power to receive and conceive. <laughs> Y'all should see your faces. 
I'm going to leave that one along too. By faith, uh, Isaac, Hebrews eleven twenty, invoked future blessings on his son. Spoke the word on his son. I'm going to pause and tell you a story. I think I've told it once before. A couple of years ago, the year before, my pastor, my apostle died. Apostle Ball, who died last uh, summer. A year before he died, he was getting very old, very weak. I knew his mind was coming and going. And, and uh, one morning, one Monday afternoon, I called Fred Shore, one of our men. I said, Fred, could you fly me to Panama City tomorrow? I know. I told Suzanne. She said, you should go. So I know I'm supposed to go see Pastor. So Fred and I jumped in his plane at 7 o'clock next morning. We were in Panama City by 8. Jumped in a courtesy car, went to the church to meet with my pastor. And 87, almost 88 years old, walking up the stairs, bent over real slow, and comes up, gives me a hug. We go in his office, close the door, sit down. As soon as he sits down, he stands back up. Took him like 10 seconds to get back up. He gets up, and now he's just walking around his office, fumbling around. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I might be too late. You know, I mean, I'm serious. I'm thinking pastor's just losing it. He, he's... He's at the last leg of his journey. And, and uh, he finally yells to his assistant, Joanne, where's my oil? And she comes running in. You know, she he ain't got no, one of those little bottles like we got. He's got one of these big old bottles. And, and so I'm thinking, you know, I don't know what's happening. But he closed the door and he said, look, I can't wait for us to have fellowship. want to hear everything God's doing in your life right now. But I just got to be obedient. Holy Spirit told me this morning when you called and said you were coming, told me to do this. And so he opens up this bottle of oil. He just starts dumping, man. It's just, it's just running down my face and through my eyes. You know, I'm trying to see it. And uh, he lays his hands on my head and he starts praying and blessing and prophesy and, and declare. And, and then he drops down to my feet. And I was afraid he was never going to get up. And he's down there and he's pour, pouring oil all over my brand new Cole Han shoes, man. It was the first and last time I ever wore those shoes, but they're anointed of God. And, and uh, he's just rubbing into my feet and and he looks up and he's prophesying and he starts saying, son, for some reason you think your, your days are numbered sooner than they are. You think that you've come to the end of your life. You think you're at the end of the fourth quarter of the game and God's not through with you. God's got plans for you. God's going to take you places you never imagined before. He's going to take you before kings and princes and governors. And as you know, this summer I sat and had breakfast with the governor of Peru three times and, and, and everything he began to prophesy, it was a, it was a first son blessing. And all of a sudden, when I walked out that door that day, I had chill bumps on chill bumps. Because this wasn't just a blessing, this was a responsibility. This wasn't something to sit back and go, wow, look at me, man, I'm the, I'm the wonder child. No, I'm nobody. But in Christ Jesus, we are somebody. And he began to speak that word, and it settled in my heart. And I can tell you today that, that, that through that word, Things that the enemy has brought against me, even fear and attacks against my mind or my body. Man, all of a sudden the Lord takes me back to apostle's blessing and his word over me. I go back to the word uh, two years ago. Uh, it's standing in Cuba when, when God said, this is your last Bible running days. But if you will, I want you to come back and go through this island, go through every, all 15 provinces that you have delivered the Bible. And I want you to preach my word to these pastors, only pastors. You teach them the kingdom 
kingdom principles of God's word on tithe, offering, blessing, live to give, give to live, seed faith. Understand the very message that changed your life can change a whole island's life. And he said, I've called you to do that. Well, today we leave. This is our third trip in just over a year and a half. And I'm thinking no matter what the enemy brings against me, I still got 12 counties to get to. Amen. You see, sometimes God will give you a word, and all of a sudden, in due season, due time, that word comes alive. And it brings you what? Hope. It brings you hope for the future, hope for the word, hope for the moment, hope for the call of God on your life. By faith, Jacob, when he died, blessed the sons of Joseph. Hebrews eleven twenty two. by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, spoke of the things to come for Israel. Hebrews eleven twenty three. 23, by, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's word. Hebrews chapter 11, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, by, by faith, Moses, look here, that's all I could come up with. It was going to take me 15 minutes to preach that. He did a lot. <laughs> Moses did a lot. Go read that this afternoon. Meditate on that. By faith. He didn't just go out there and do it, man. It was by faith. He had to walk out. Hebrews 11.30, by faith, the walls of Jericho came down. Hebrews chapter 11.31, by faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish. Come on, somebody. If God can save a prostitute, he can save you and me. He can save your mama, your daddy, your sons, your daughters, your brothers, and your sisters because he is a great, big, awesome God that loves every lost person in the world. Don't give up hope on your children, on your wayward children. Don't give up hope. Pray, prophesy, declare. Stand in faith. Believe the word of the Lord. Hebrews eleven thirty nine 39 and 40 says this. In all these things, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. That almost, that almost sucked the air out of you when you read that real slow. In all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Why? Since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. You see, I believe Cheryl and Nolan Ball and my dad, my mom, and all of your loved ones that are already there before us, they're still waiting for their promise because they're not getting their promise till we get our promise. Some of y'all are going to get that in about three weeks. That's powerful stuff. They've gone before us. They're a part of the great. They're a part of the great tribe of righteous that, are, that I believe are prophesying and praying over us and interceding over us, but they are not getting their promise till we get our promise. And that is a powerful, wonderful thing. And then the last but not least, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says this. It says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and then rewards those who seek him. You see, I want to say to you today in closing, church is not enough. Religion is not enough. Religious activity is not enough. Religious giving of your finances is not enough. See, the only thing that's going to change your eternity is faith. God. Simple faith. A faith that says, Lord, I cannot work my way to heaven no matter how hard I try. Can't change enough poopy diapers. Can't play the drums long enough in church. Can't park cars long enough. Can't buy my way into the kingdom of heaven. It's only one way. It's by faith. See, I put my hope in him. Christ, my redeemer. 
Christ who was willing to come and die on a cross. When he knew, when he knew that when he went to that cross after three years of doing amazing, wonderful things, man, blessing people, feeding people, raising people from the dead, healing blind eyes, lame, lame people walking, deaf people hearing, Jesus knew that he was going to the cross pretty much alone. And he looked down that day as they hung him on that tree in Golgotha. And there was John and there were four women. Peter was gone, he had already cursed the Christ. The other disciples hiding off in the wilderness somewhere, afraid for their lives. This one that they had followed, this one that they had said, we will be with you always. Jesus had a pretty good failure rate. Satan and all the demons in hell had to be rejoicing. Christ is on the cross. And out of 12 men that fought with him for three and a half years, only one left, 8%. Can I tell you, if I get to the end of my ministry of preaching my whole life, and there's only 8% of you still here walking with the kingdom, wow, I would feel like an utter failure. Except if Jesus can't save you, I sure can't save you. If Jesus can't put in you whatever it's got to take for you to walk it out all the days of your life, I sure am not a good enough preacher to get you there. But boy, once you've settled that thing in your heart, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Faith has changed my life. I'm not looking back. There's nothing behind me. My rearview mirror has been torn off the windshield as I keep my eyes on the straight and narrow. Christ ahead of me. He's my hope. He's the one I live my life for. He's the reason I go to Cuba today. He's the reason I came home from China. He's the reason I keep preaching in this pulpit. He's the reason we're building a beautiful new, new building so that people can, thousands of people can get saved until Christ comes again. Why do we do these things? To try to work for God? No, we're just doing good works out of our relationship because of what he's already done for us. But today, you're sitting here. Maybe you're watching online. We're honored to have you. You're sitting in this room this morning. And you've done all the religious stuff, but today in your heart, it is not settled that you have a simple faith in God. Your hope is in a lot of other stuff. And I want to ask you for a moment to bow your head and close your eyes. Forget who's sitting beside you, your husband, your wife, your children, a friend. Forget this morning. Man, I, I can't tell you how I have been consumed with this message over the last several weeks that some of you today need to surrender fresh, new, clear, not to a life of works, but the simplicity that you need fresh faith in God. If you're watching online today, I cannot see your hand. You can respond, you can text in, you can call in, but you can respond the same way these that are here. You're sitting in this room this morning and there's a conviction right now in your heart Jesus is knocking at your heart's door and he's wanting you to receive by faith the fullness of who he is and can be in your life. You need to put down works. You need to put down the religious habits that you have had and surrender fresh again to Father I want my faith to be in you alone. If that's you this morning, every head's bowed, eyes are closed, people are praying. 
But today, that's you. Would you just lift your hand real quick? I'm not going to wait but a minute, but you know this morning. Yes, yes, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. Yes, sir, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. This is your moment. Yes, dear, God bless you. This is your moment. This is your moment. Simple, childlike faith. Jesus said, unless you, unless you come to me like a little baby, like a little child with simple faith, your works will get you nowhere. But your faith will get you to the cross. One more time, real quick. You don't want to be left out. This is you this morning. Just lift up your hand. Let me see it. Let me recognize. Let me pray with you. Yes, God bless you, dear. God bless you. Yes, dear. God bless you. This is your moment today. Yes, sir. God bless you. Yes, dear. God bless you. congregation will pray with you. Father God, thank you for giving me Jesus who is willing to die for me. I want to have simple faith in you. Forgive me for being works oriented, striving to try to be a good Christian. Tired of trying. I surrender today. Let my faith grow in you. I receive today by faith all that you've done in me and for me. And I love you. And I bless you today, Father, for loving me first. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Give the Lord an ovation for these this morning. Thank you. I, I did take a few extra minutes there. I, sorry, but uh, I, we have some real important stuff. It'll only take about 10 minutes to uh, hopefully if I can see. There we go. Sorry. Y'all can pray for your pastor that one day he'll start, stop crying. I think right when I get into heaven, I think it's going to stop. Or maybe it'll just really begin. But um, anyhow, I'm becoming a big old crybaby. Okay, so we have a couple great reports that uh, we're going to share with you. This is all exciting stuff, faith stuff. So uh, the first one is we're going to show you uh, out of your missions giving. And I want to say just before we show this, this is Mission Sunday today, fourth Sunday of the month. We're, is that right? We're receiving, or second Sunday of the month, we're receiving missions offering. But out of your missions offering, you know, we're touching the world. We are, we are touching our friends here from China, Helga's here from Africa, uh, uh, Cuba this afternoon, Jamaica constantly loving on our church family in Jamaica, um, Honduras, the Hughes family, you know, they're touching however many children they've adopted, 56 children down there, one family's adopted and training, raising their school, 110 people on staff, and we support them monthly. And, and uh, so out of your support, obviously, when things happen here at home and in our country, we reach out as well. And as you remember last month when the hurricane hit the Bahamas, uh, you, out of your generosity, we gave, I think, around $24,000 uh, through two different organizations. One of them is always really grateful. Actually, I got a personal letter from, um, what's Pat Robertson's son's name? Gordon, uh, Gordon 
Robertson uh, wrote me a very precious letter. And, uh, but they sent us a video. I want to w- let you see that real quick. One minute, and uh, it's beautiful. On September 1st of 2019, Hurricane Dorian swept through the Bahamas, leaving massive destruction in its path. Dorian was the strongest hurricane to ever hit the Bahamas, lingering for two days. Homes, businesses, even lives were destroyed. Those who weathered the storm faced a future without electricity, water, or medical care. However, you at the Rock of Gainesville gave help to the Bahamas when it was so desperately needed. You put fresh, clean water in the hands of thirsty families. You gave chlorine to those who lost everything so they could purify any water on hand and begin eradicating mold before it can set in. You gave food and hygiene kits to hungry, suffering families. Rock of Gainesville, you provided critical medical care, ensuring that victims were examined by our team of doctors. You put medicine right into the hands of hurting people. In addition to all of that, you gave Bahamians solar-powered lamps to light up the dark night and make the situation safer for all. To everyone at the Rock of Gainesville, we cannot thank you enough for all you have done to bring relief to the Bahamas. None of this would be possible without you. Thank you for your generosity and for your heart to help the hurting victims of Hurricane Dorian. Hallelujah. I think you ought to give yourself a hand for that. Wow. We didn't, we didn't do that to get a pat on the back, but doesn't that make you feel good? And I want to say to all of you that give on a monthly basis into our missions, thank you so much. That's where your money goes. For all of you that don't give, that blessing you don't get to receive right there. The people that gave, give. And I don't say that to be mean or harsh. I'm just saying you don't realize that when you don't take part, you don't get to be a part of the blessing. You just get to be a spectator. We're called not to be spectators. Oh, I'm getting into preaching now. We're not called to be spectators. We're we're called to be contributors in the house of God, people of God. Give $10 a month. Give give, Give your Starbucks coffee for the month to the kingdom of God for missions and touch lives. Give a hundred dollars. Give a million dollars. I don't care. Let's give so that we can always be ready to touch lives. All right. The second one we shared with you a couple weeks ago was um, our uh, building project and your seed offering. We finally totaled it all up and it came in a little over $205,000. I think you ought to give yourself a hand for your faithfulness. So right off the top, uh, out of that 10%, uh, which was what, $20,050, something, $20,000, I'm missing Brian. He was my math guy on the front first service. But anyhow, so all of that was given in missions, and, and actually it's already gone because uh, your pastor has a real problem. The only place we're in debt in this whole church is in the red in missions, and we're like, I, I won't even look at Tom because the last time it was like $110,000 in the hole because I give everything you give plus more away. And so it's the one account for 10 years we've never seen black. We don't even get close to gray. We're just still down there in the red part. But, uh, you know, isn't it great? We're going to be debt to anything. Let's be in debt to giving above and beyond what. And we're not in debt. That's money that's coming from your tithe and other stuff. But, but uh, it's not coming just from your missions giving. So I, I encourage you, pray about even increasing your missions giving and use it for the glory of God. So uh, this next video we're going to show is our building project and we're excited about it. I want to just give a big shout out to um, Juan and Melissa Cigar. Their company Foresight is leading the way this. They, they have just been such a blessing to me having Juan there as a spiritual son and a daughter. Um, 
They got our heart. We're, we're like uh, $600,000 under budget right now. We've saved, I think, about $100,000 to $133,000 in taxes because Juan's allowed the church to actually buy the product. And uh, by doing that, we're saving like 7% on all the, the stuff that's going in there. We have a lot of amazing people that are out of our house uh, that are part of Juan's company. And so every Monday, Tad and I meet with these guys. And it's just such a blessing to know that we have, we have our spiritual family that's actually building this building and faithful tithers and faithful givers. And so it's a real joy. The only sad thing I say about this video, we finished this up a week ago and uh, it's already obsolete. We're, we're already so far past this. And so, but it's exciting. About a minute video. Watch. Actually, the, the whole east wing of the building, is the structure is completely done. The roof is on. They're starting to uh, build the classrooms inside. Pastor Ed got so excited when he saw the video, he wanted to bust all the children uh, from jam over there and have church there this morning. But I said, Tony over there wouldn't allow that because we don't have like 200 helmets. So, uh, But all the uh, foundation's done now, and I uh, don't want to take a whole lot of credit, but I did all the videography and photography of that. Thank you very much. It's the only thing I can take credit for. I show up every week. And uh, just have a blast, and it's it's uh, it's been such a fun project just seeing what God's doing. Actually, last Monday, Tad took me right out and put me right exactly where the podium's going to be uh, in the in the middle of the auditorium, and it was uh, pretty exciting. So I just visualized where all of you would be sitting. I've already got I've got your seats assigned because you've already assigned them, and know right where your butt sits every week. And uh, so we're going to have you ready to go. But we're excited about it. All right, we have a third film, and uh, for those of you here were last week. We showed this to you. As I said a moment ago, we're a missions church. We're missions oriented. One of our very own Helga Priest, amazing woman of God. Uh, this movie's made about uh, Carol and her and the ministry. Uh, they rescued over, uh, orphaned, uh, had over 95 children in Africa and Sudan. Uh, their compound was overrun. Uh, when this was all going on, we were praying daily for Helga and them. They were having guns shot over their heads, mortars fired over their buildings, children you'll see it in the video, you know, crying, desperate for, you know, just overcoming fear. But 
In the midst of all that, uh, this precious lady from Texas uh, flew to Africa and documented their whole story. And this Wednesday night at 6.30, uh, they're gonna, Sandra's flying in from Texas on Tuesday, and they're gonna be, we're gonna be showing this two-hour documentary of their ministry. I encourage every family in this church to come, bring your kids. It's gonna be powerful. You say, well, I don't know if I wanna, your kids need to see this reality. They need to understand, I mean, but don't, I don't have time to do it. Just bring your family, okay? Wednesday night, 6.30, two hours. It's going to be powerful. And uh, we'll show you a real quick, uh, quick clip. This is not what I asked for. When I said I would take over the children's home, I didn't expect a war to hit three months later and me have to go through all of this. I saw our Land Cruiser drive up and all of the windows were blown out. Every window was blown out. Every news that he just didn't know whether they were abducted or traded or trafficked or shot, it was just that extreme. We had to have a government official give us permission to leave with the kids so we wouldn't be accused of child trafficking. In the meantime, our houses were being looted. Everything was being looted and taken. I was having fear so much in my heart. Are you ever going to save us? Want to come, bring a, your own box of Kleenex. We don't have enough money to buy all of y'all a box of Kleenex, so bring your own. I actually have the film has been sent to me, the link, so I'm going to get to watch it tonight on my way to Cuba. And, uh, but I really want to encourage you to come out and be a part of that. We're going to start right at 6.30 Wednesday. It might take a 10-minute uh, potty break in the middle of the documentary and then wrap up by 8.30, okay? So really encourage you to be here. Amen, uh, hallelujah, amen, amen. All right, last, we... Uh, we're leaving in about a half an hour, uh, so as soon as uh, we pray, uh, I love y'all, I don't have time to hug you and just uh, really covet your prayers, and uh, next Sunday, uh, next Sunday, uh, two things real quick, my buddy Francis and Susie Infusa were flying through Florida, found out uh, about our Sunday Night Live next week and all some events that are taking place, and so they are going to actually be here for second service next Sunday morning, spend all day and Monday with us, and so such a joy to have them coming uh, just to kind of surprise us. He wanted to go minister to Mr. Bob, but next Sunday night, as you read in your uh, uh, e-lines this week, we're having a special Sunday night live service that I've called for next Sunday night. Uh, we're going to do something really uh, special, neat, but we're going to have intense worship in which your pastor has picked out all the songs because I've just been being ministered for a couple of weeks out of some songs that have been written to glorify God. Thank You is one of the most powerful songs I am singing every day right now. It's a live song off of Bethel's uh, live album. If you haven't heard it, you should go listen to it. It'll minister to your soul. And um, Fourth man in the fire. All, I mean, we're going to have some good stuff. And uh, then we're going to receive communion. And when we do it, we're going to do it different than we've done before. We're going to serve you. And then in the middle of communion, uh, the pastors, we're going to have a picture of all the people in our church family that are fighting for their life, battling right now. Mr. Bob, Dr. John, Poppy, uh, Shirley Plumer, who was here. She's here right now. We're just pray we just keep praying life over Miss Shirley. She just keeps coming back from the dead. She just keeps, she keeps hanging out with us here. She gave me the sweetest kiss while ago, but we're going to be praying over her. We're going to be praying over Gabriella, who was here in the first service this morning. And I want to say to you guys, um, Gabriella, they've had a real setback, and um, Gabriella is going to be put in the hospital Wednesday. 
for a minimum of about two months. They literally are having to start this whole process over again, and she's going to be going through a bone marrow transplant here in a couple of weeks. It's very intense, and, um, but we are standing with her. They are one of the most faith-filled families I've ever known in my life. They minister to my soul. I got to spend some time at the hospital with them this week with the doctor and heard the whole reasoning they're doing it. They have peace. I have peace. I believe that the revelation that the doctors were walking in, it, it, was, it, it was, they could see it, but it was still cloudy, and so they were doing their best. And right in the last minute, uh, when the decision had to be made, some research person in another hospital had gotten a hold of Gabriella's plans and found out that the method that they were doing was not going to lead her to full, complete uh, healing, and they needed to go this other route. And so with all the doctors coming together from many different places, they agreed to do this. And then listen to this. God brings in a young, beautiful doctor. She looks like she's gorgeous. She looks like she's in her early 30s. I just had to hug her when I saw her, I was like, man, you're beautiful. I just hugged her. And, uh, and, and this woman, listen to this, she says to, uh, she says to Connie and TJ and Gabriella a few weeks ago, she sits down and says, can I tell you all my story? She looks up at Gabriella and says, when I was 10 years old, I had the same disease and was given the same death sentence you were. But she said, today, I'm an oncolo- pediatric oncologist because God saved me and kept me for such a time as this. Hallelujah. We, we serve a God of miracles. Amen, a God of healing. So anyhow, she's gonna start. So right in the middle of our communion, man, we're gonna have bread in hand, cup in hand. We're gonna be praying. Pictures gonna be on the wall of these folks that we're praying over. And, as, and when we get to that taking the bread, breaking it, Lord, the word declares that because of the stripes that Jesus bore on his back, the flesh that was ripped away, we have a right for the healing of God. So we're gonna pray that. Lay, lay our hands towards these pictures. And you don't wanna miss it next Sunday night. And then at the end, We're going to release all the children. Uh, We're going to have a pizza party for the kids for about 15 minutes in the lounge back here uh, because I need to talk to my church family, the adults, um, about the situation. And and if you want to hear it from my mouth, you have to come next Sunday night. It's the last time I'm going to talk about it, Um, but it it is important for our family for our family. And so Suzanne and I and the team will be here. And at the end of the service, after the kids are out, we're going to share some things that are going on. So um, be in faith, be in prayer. I'm excited. God's for us and the enemy's against us. And the more the enemy's against us, the more God is for us. So I'm excited about what God's doing. I got a peace, a joy, and excitement in my heart. And I want to live out the plans and purposes of God. How about anybody else want to do that with me? Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.